This is Gene Lance on the Workers' Beat Extra. The nation of Brazil, the largest country in South America, pulled up short of going fascist this week. Not by a large margin. The guy who was running, who obviously wanted to return to the fascism that they had once before, only lost by about one percentage point. I think that Lula, who was the progressive candidate, got 50.9%, and Bolsonaro, the fascist-leaning incumbent, got 49.10%. So Brazil came very close. And there was a lot of discussion about voter suppression and misinformation that was used by the Bolsonaro campaign. Since his election, this is what one guy said who's the president of a think tank. Since his election, Bolsonaro has tried to subvert Brazil's democratic institutions. What we are seeing today on election day, hundreds of federal road police operations impeding citizens from casting their vote is yet further proof of his efforts to undermine the democratic process. So Brazil skated very close to the edge of going fascist this week. And it causes me to want to speculate about what all this means, especially because a great many pundits in America today would say that we are in great danger of going fascist in the United States not a long time from now, but on November the 8th, when many people think that the Republicans will take one or both houses of the U.S. Congress. Now, whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But it's a good time to look and consider the whole problem. According to a recent Gallup News poll, more Americans now view the Republican Party favorably than the Americans who view the Democratic Party favorably. The numbers are 44% for the Republicans, 39% for the Democrats. Notice that neither one of them got 50%. But would that make you think that if more Americans favor the Republican Party, and if many of the Republicans are clearly anti-democratic, pro-fascists, then does that mean that our Americans are ready to go fascist? No, not any more than it means that the Brazilians were ready to go fascist when they were looking at their election last week. There is a, an interesting characteristic of every case of fascism that I can think of. Of course, most of the time when people talk about fascism, they think about Germany and Italy. And in both of those cases, fascism resulted in total disaster total train wreck, the end of everything, just as bad as it could get, disaster that killed tens of millions of people. But there's a lot of other countries that have gone fascist where not so many millions have been killed. Consider, for example, Chile. Consider Brazil. It's been fascist before. Consider Argentina. Consider Peru. Consider South Africa, 
which was very clearly fascist, pretty much from the time of the German fascists in World War II up until President Mandela was elected in more in our own time. So those countries went fascist at one point. Previous to being fascist, they had been moderately democratic countries. So some people would say fascism is the absence of democracy. And it would be good then to define what is fascism and what is democracy. If democracy means that people have control over their own lives, and fascism is the absence of democracy, then under fascism people would have no control over their own lives. And under democracy, they would have total control over their own lives. We've never seen either one in the United States. We have some control over our lives, but we never had total control over our lives. Consider, for example, the last time that the United States government asked you if they could go to war or if they could send arms to one side in somebody else's war, which is what they're doing right now. No, you can't remember that because it never happened. Consider when you were asked what should be happening with the economy. Consider when you were asked whether or not the Federal Reserve should raise interest rates. You can't remember that because you weren't asked. You have no control over the essential economic conditions in the country and no control over what happens concerning other governments and other countries, foreign policy in other words. You've never had any control over those to speak of, although you do have some, some rights and there is certainly some democracy in the United States, but it's never been total. So let's consider these countries that had moderate democracy, then they became fascists, and then they went back to some kind of moderate democracy. I'm thinking, for example, of Chile. I'm thinking of Colombia. I'm thinking of Brazil. I'm thinking of Argentina. I'm thinking of South Africa. Those are countries that at one time went fascist and then returned to a kind of moderate democracy. What were the elements that caused them to go fascist? Well, in every case, it was because democracy was getting out of hand. It was because the people were getting stronger and stronger. And the people were moving in directions that would have removed power from the people that are running things. Now, you can call them the capitalists. You can call them the rich. You can call them the ruling class. But just to make it clear, something that I think we would all agree about is that they're the bosses. The bosses run this country. The bosses decide on foreign policy. The bosses make the economic decisions. They're the ones that are in charge. So if democracy were to get out of hand and people began to take charge of foreign policy, for example, then the bosses would not like that. And at that point, they might prefer fascist rule. In every case where they had fascism, the bosses decided that that's what they wanted. Now, I don't mean that's the only thing that happened that caused fascism, but it is a necessary 
elements. Hitler could never have taken power without having made his peace with the bosses. The same thing is true of Mussolini. The same thing is true of Spain. The same thing is true of Chile. Same thing is true of Argentina. Stop and think about it. The bosses instituted fascism because that's what they wanted. And then how did fascism come to an end? That was another decision made by the bosses. The bosses decided that they did not need fascism anymore once the threat of increased democracy had gone by. Once they had killed off the students in Argentina or the powerful mass movement in Chile or the uh, African movement in South Africa, once they had killed off the people who were leading the democracy movement, then they were no longer so threatened and they no longer needed to be fascist. Well, you could argue, well, since they already had fascism, why not just continue it? Now that, I think, is up for grabs. That's something that I have never read a theoretician explain that. Here's my own theory. Fascism is not a very good way to run an economy. In desperation, the bosses might choose fascism as a way to run the government, but it's still not an efficient way to run an economy. The best economies ever created on the face of the earth had a lot of democracy in their economic relationships. That's why England became so powerful when it invented the moderate democracy that they called capitalism. And that's why the United States has gotten so powerful. Workers believe themselves to be more or less free and they act accordingly and they become very, very good workers. So in my opinion, moderate democracy in the economy is very effective. I think the same thing might be said of China. People wonder why is it that China, which had a socialist revolution, just like the Soviet Union or just like Cuba or any number of other countries, why is it that China has had such great success economically? I think it's because they introduced democratic reforms in the economy while not letting it affect the government. The government of China, as far as I know, is still run by the Chinese Communist Party. But the, but the economy is largely run with moderate democracy. So the bosses might decide that they want fascism when they feel threatened, and they might decide that they no longer need fascism when their economy needs to take off and when they no longer feel threatened. And I think that's what happened in Argentina. I think it's what happened in Brazil this week when Lula won the election and the progressives got into power in Brazil rather than lurching into another dark period of fascism from which they had only emerged a few decades ago. Now, how does all this apply to the United States? Are we going to go fascist on November the 8th? Well, for, to begin with, I don't think the Republicans are going to win both houses of Congress. And I think that it's unlikely they will win either house of Congress, simply because I have confidence 
and the American people because I think that over the years, we have gotten smarter and smarter and better and better able to communicate and better and better able to do our own research and find out what's what. So I don't think the American people are ready to vote fascism into the United States. Furthermore, I don't think that most of the bosses are in favor of fascism in the United States. If they were, then all of their donations would be going to the Republican Party. And that's not what's happening. A lot of the bosses are donating to the Democratic Party. Now, it may be true that among the largest donors, and I read this this week, that among the largest donors, most of the money is going to the Republican Party. But not all of it. Not even a significant majority of it. So, in my opinion, first of all, in order for fascism to take over a government, one quality has to happen, and that is that the bosses have to want it. And I don't think that the bosses in the United States want it, or at least they're not in agreement on it. I think if you just polled people, for example, from the oil companies, you might get a pretty resounding favorable answer for fascism. But if you look at manufacturing, uh, retail, service industry, if you put them all together, I don't think that the bosses in the United States are ready to opt for fascism. So the fight goes on. We keep building the workers' movement. We keep building the democratic forces. And we keep avoiding fascism in the United States. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.